0: right, we are back. I'm Janine. This is KUCI 80.9 FM in Irvine. You're listening to Get the Funk Out. Standing by to join us is Dr. Ronald Epstein, the author of Attending Medicine, Mindfulness, and Humanity. Good morning. Good morning. I really have enjoyed your book. It's very fascinating.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate that.
0: Give us a little idea for people who have not read the book. What inspired you to write this?
1: Uh, what inspired to re- me to write it is that uh, medicine is in a state of crisis now. And the crisis is not just simply how we pay for healthcare, care, but it's really what you encounter when you actually enter into uh, a healthcare care setting. And I believe that the personal and intimate nature of medical practice is currently threatened.
0: Why do you think that's happened?
1: I think that medicine has, to some extent, lost its hold. Medicine is fundamentally about connections between humans, between those who are healing and those who are suffering. Mm -hmm. And with the commercialization and fragmentation of healthcare, that a lot of that is being lost.
0: I know that my own experience, I've been in the hospital several times for different things. There's a big difference between somebody who pays attention to the patient and who doesn't and how you feel.
1: And and that's really why the book is titled Attending, because mm-hmm. it's, it's a play on words. The attending is the physician who's in charge, the attending physician. Right. But really what you want when you're a patient is you want to be attended to, and not just as a number or a widget, but you want to be attended to as a unique human being.
0: Right. So... Go on, go I, I wanted you to talk about, if you don't mind, if this is a good moment, to talk about mindfulness, why that is something you felt was so important. Well,
1: from the very earliest times that I had contact with healthcare settings, from when I was a medical student, I noticed that there were doctors who uh, were really attentive and present, and then there were those whose credentials were really the same uh, and were skilled and knowledgeable, but really lacked that. That's something, that that capacity to uh, really be there, to not turn away when things uh, when the going got rough, mm-hmm. and uh, to be curious and interested. And it was only after I'd been in practice for a while that i I, I named that mindfulness or mindful practice. And mindful practice to me, is bringing that mindfulness into uh, settings where it really makes a difference. I had had a background uh when I was younger uh in Zen Buddhism. I had spent some some time at the San Francisco Zen Center and that was a deep influence on me. Uh and I continue to do meditation actually to the current day. Uh and it was after I'd been in clinical practice for a while that I realized that when I was practicing at my best uh in the hospital or in my office I was achieving the same state of mind that I would when I felt that clarity that you can feel when you're meditating, and in a way for me, medical practice is a contemplative practice. It allows me to be present with other people in the same way that you can be present with yourself when you're doing something like meditation.
0: Right. Uh, I l- I really enjoyed the chapter "Beginner's Mind: The Zen of Doctoring." Do you want to uh-huh. talk a little bit about that? I know you just talked about your background in in uh, you know meditation. Um, there's a Area you talk about a practice of stillness too?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, you know, it it really the, the idea of beginner's mind is fundamental uh, because as experts, we often think that we know things that we actually can't possibly know. Mm-hmm. For example, doctors often think they can judge how much pain a patient is in, but their judgments about pain and patients' report about pain are completely random. They're, they're, they're they they. Uh, We're really not very good about that, so so we have to ask. Mm -hmm. So rather than be the expert on the patient's experience, uh, focusing on really inquiring deeply about what aspects of an illness are the most bothersome to a patient and what way they are, and similarly trying to understand why patients even come to the doctor in the first place. I mean, doctors tend to assume that if a patient's in your office, they want something, you know, a prescription, surgery, a shot, something like that. And often what patients want is just to be understood and to have things explained to them. And again, you can't know that unless you adopt the perspective of a beginner. You would say, um, gee, I know a lot about the gallbladder and I know a lot about the heart, but I don't know a lot about you as a person and what is really disturbing you, what's bothering you the most about what's going on.
0: Well, that's a different approach than I would think most doctors take. Uh,
1: you, know, you know, I think things are changing. Uh, when I was a medical student, there was only cursory instruction into how to communicate with patients. But now that's changed, and actually students are tested on their ability to communicate effectively. Oh, yes. what, hap- what And in medical school, so that's different. What happens? The problem is what happens after medical school, because those skills are just not reinforced. And with the increased computerization of medical uh, medical records, uh, physicians' attention is often captured by the computer screen and relatively are neglecting face-to-face contact with patients.
0: Which, as a patient, doesn't make you feel so, you know... Um you're not tuned in to the doctor environment. Absolutely
1: not. No, and there, were, there was a, there was a drawing, a children's drawing that was published in the journal of the American Medical Association a couple of years ago, and this this like ten year old kid drew the doctor exam room, and you know, she was there with her her mother and and a, and a sibling, and there was the doctor in this you know very pretty drawing, facing with the back to the patient facing the computer screen. Oh. And everyone was smiling. You know, kids are optimistic. Yes. But it was, it was a, just a totally devastating uh, drawing because it's reality. Often we're, um, and it's so difficult with the complexity of these computer systems to draw your attention away from them. So the current crisis uh, is building upon, you know, other, other trends that have been happening more slowly in medicine and uh And I think it's really time to bring our awareness back to what really matters
0: would you say so all this technology has made the whole experience of the patient and doctor interaction less humane or just less well it, it
1: has a, it has the possibility of doing that no mm-hmm. i I'm not anti technology i think right. medical electronic medical records have you know have been very helpful in many ways but um Uh, But we haven't learned how to incorporate the patient into that and, you know, how to design exam rooms so the patient can see the screen at the same time that I can. Sure. And and also, when you turn your gaze away from the screen and towards the patient. So I make a point of, for the first maybe minute and a half or two minutes of when the patient is, is with me, I don't look at the computer screen at all. I turn it off and I'm just there face-to-face with the patient. And two minutes may not sound like a long period of time, Mm -hmm. but patients know the difference, and they know that there's a connection there, and they're much more forgiving when you have to avert your gaze.
0: Right. I'll share a little story with you. Years ago, I herniated my back, and Mm. I was so scared, and I went to four doctors. The first doctor wanted to give me like an eight-inch incision, said I'd be hospitalized for about five, six days. They would do a rod or whatever I wasn't, I could hardly listen. And he, he just wasn't, I was so scared and he wasn't tuned into the fact I was scared. He was just telling me procedurally, well, this is going to happen that and then and done. Okay. And, and I went to three other people and the last doctor I went to was because someone said, oh, you have to go to him. He's the guy. And when I went to him, I was in so much pain. I had to lie in the waiting room and I, I went into him and he was so Wonderful. He looked at me. He said, you're going to be just fine. I do this all the time. This is what's going to happen. You're going to go home the same day. Mm-hmm. And and this was the guy for the job, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think you, you bring out uh, an, an important point about uh, the importance of uh, gaining the patient's confidence. Uh, and, but in, the, in doing so, you have to be truthful as well. Right. So I'm assuming that the surgeon was confident and really was able to assure you accurately. Oh yes, um, of course it's another issue if there's something that you can't really fix and you try to reassure a patient, then I hear that happen also. Sure. so I think, I think it's this balance between honesty and optimism and confidence and and sharing doubt because sometimes you don't know what's going to happen, and that's even more challenging. Right. But you bring, you bring out something that's really fundamental, which is that even in the most procedure-oriented surgical specialties, medicine is fundamentally a human enterprise. Yes. And, and, and uh, often it's so easy to forget that in the middle of all of this technology and the imperative to do things quickly, that there's a living, breathing human being with you. And I, th- I think the the, piece, the mindfulness piece comes in because, in becoming more mindful, you become more aware of your own humanity mm-hmm. and your own foibles and your own risks and your own fears, and to be able to face those uh, dispassionately, honestly, and in yourself makes it easier to communicate about difficult things with others.
0: Yes. And I enjoyed the section, I don't know if I already touched on this, about self-compassion.
1: Yeah, and you know it's, um, I, I, i'm not I'm not a new age kind of person, mm-hmm. but I think th- I think that um, there's there, you know the way that you treat yourself and the way that you're treated by the organization that you work with well, can't but influence the way that you care for patients. so oh, sure. if if you're hurting. As a clinician and don't pay attention to it, it's going to leak out in some other way in terms of how you interact with others.
0: Right. I mean, I can tell when somebody, even if it's not a doctor, is a miserable person sometimes. You can just tell. Yeah. It shows. Well,
1: I, I'm hopeful because I, I've gotten, you know, over the years, letters and emails from people who. You might actually think of as that first surgeon you saw, you know, mm-hmm. completely disconnected, yes. seeming miserable, unhappy, burned out, whatever you what have you. And some of them actually, by virtue of taking on a, uh, a mindfulness practice or seeking help in, in a certain way, are able to change. And that's yes. really what I'm trying to do is to say okay you're distressed you're not the person you want to be you're not practicing the way you want to be how can we move things forward and it's not just simply taking another vacation i mean that's not going to cure anything it's, uh, yes. what's going to cure something is really facing the those contradictions within yourself honestly kindly compassionately and and knowing yourself better
0: are you are you providing any kind of? Um, I'm assuming maybe lectures, workshops for people.
1: Yeah, we. Uh, I I offer. I, I, I do a lot of speaking, and mm-hmm. and it, and actually, I'm in the Bay Area now doing just that. So, uh, and and also offer both longitudinal workshops as well as. Four or five-day intensive workshops for healthcare professionals. Okay, and those are usually subscribed months in advance. I mean, uh, and we're training others to begin to do this as well. So um, the demand is there.
0: Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, I do want to mention that you you said you're. I think you're in Palo Alto at Books Inc. Uh, January thirty first, February first. Yeah, you're in San Diego.
1: In San Diego, I'm at um, Warwick's. Okay. Yeah, so I'll be giving readings in both places.
0: Fantastic. And if people want to find out more about you, could you give uh, your listeners your website?
1: It's really easy. It's RonaldEpstein.com. Perfect. And there's an events calendar there with directions, and uh, and so that'll that'll make it easy.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for calling into the show. Thank you. Enjoy I appreciate talking it. talking to you. Take care. Bye-bye. That was Dr. Ronald Epstein talking about his book, Attending Medicine, Mindfulness, and Humanity. If you missed any part of this, there is a description up on my blog, but our conversation will be up on my blog within an hour or so after I wrap. And I have one more guest calling in, Sally Krawcheck, talking about her book, Own It. She's co-founder and CEO of Elvest, an innovative digital investment platform designed to help women reach their financial goals. And she's going to join us in just a little bit. So... Uh, We'll put a song on, uh, one more from Adrena Thorpe called Coming Home, and then Sally will be joining us. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.